Wow, what a beautiful day. We got a talented bunch around here or what? Amazing. Thank you so much, Alan. I um, was just thinking about, can you imagine those folks down there finally hearing that the Emancipation Proclamation has taken place and you are free? It's taken us as a nation about 170 years to figure all that out. Still working on that somehow, but in Jesus Christ, we are all free. Hallelujah. Stand up with me if you would. We're going to read God's word this morning. I'm in Daniel. Today we come to chapter six. It's probably the most uh, widely known chapter. What happens here? I want to read to you several verses, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, chapter six. Daniel. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom <clears throat> excuse me, into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others. That's important. King chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. So, begins to explain how uh, the other administrators get jealous, and uh, so they convince the king that he ought to do a 30-day thing where nobody bows down to anybody but him. Verse 10, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. So, uh, again, it's just uh, all these people working against Daniel just because he had such an integrity and authority and... Uh, so the king's trying so hard to save him, can't do it because the, the decree could not be changed at all. So verse 16, at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the lion's den. The king said to him, may your God whom you serve so faithfully rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you so faithfully serve able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouths so that they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown into the lion's den. This is awful, but it was part of their law back then, along with their wives and children. The lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. 
Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed is the, the word and the original from the original, it's a better word is injured. His kingdom will never be injured and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius, that is the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Father, we are entering familiar territory. And we just pray, Lord, today that not only will we grab something new from this text, but that we'll take it and apply it to our everyday life. Thank you for everyone here. We love you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. So, title of my message is Use Your Influence. Use Your Influence, like Daniel did. Um, Julie is our artist. And I said, Julie, isn't that beautiful? I said, draw the most ferocious lion you can think of. That is so awesome and beautiful. Thanks a lot, Julie. Um, a friend of mine heard I was preaching about Daniel in the lion's den. He's from Detroit, Michigan, so he sent this to me. Why wasn't Daniel hurt by the lions in the den? Because they were Detroit lions. I know, sorry. I, I'm, just, I'm just the messenger today. I like the lions. I hope you guys win the big one someday. How do you keep a lions player out of your yard? Put up a goal post. What do the post office and the Detroit Lions have in common? They don't deliver on Sundays. I think the Detroit Lions are going to have a great year this year. And I, I apologize, but my friend's from Michigan, and he's a... Never mind. Moving on. Father's Day, it's a wonderful day. It's more than getting a new tire or a new pair of shorts. Because fathers are significant. And we're important in families. In the United States today, one in four families don't have a father figure present in the home. And that makes Father's Day a tough day for about a fourth of our population, even more probably because some are present but they're not there emotionally. The presence of a father or a father figure lowers the risk of children for several devastating problems in our culture. In fact, I, I kind of trace all of societal's ills back to the absentee father. I mean, the kids get involved in all kinds of stuff. Abuse, substance abuse, early pregnancy, mental health problems, suicide. Men, I just want you to know today how important you are. You are very, very important. We need your wisdom. We need your integrity. We need your ability to mentor and teach others. We need uh, the way you, you can bring peace to a situation, security, confidence. That's why we're, 
we're challenging all of our men to become a dad in schools. We are going to make the difference in our public schools. They are inviting us, they don't know it, but uh, decades ago, they chose to kick Jesus out of the schools. Today, they don't realize it, but they're inviting Jesus right back in. And I'm asking all the dads to share your peace, your security, your confidence with these young people. And the more we exhibit these qualities, the more we'll strengthen each other and those around us. It's important. You're not only needed in your family, but you're also needed in your city. Now, men, men, we're the ones that, we're the easy targets. Easy to criticize. We, we have broad shoulders, we can take it. But I want you to know that you are vital to the welfare and strength of not only your family, but your church, your city, your state, and your nation. Now, I'm not saying women are unimportant, but it's Father's Day. And I, and I want to, all the fathers, all the dads, I want you to hear how important and vital you are. All the men, you're significant. You're needed at work. You're needed as a, as a coach. You're needed as a mentor. You, you have significance. You can bring guidance and meaning to our young people. Uh, if they get involved in sports, they're less likely to use drugs, get arrested, or get involved in a game. Take an interest in teaching younger men, beginning with the boys. Treat them and teach them like boys who will become men. We need to teach them how to resolve their anger now as boys, how to treat those weaker than themselves. The importance of obeying the law and supporting our country. See, I think all men are fathers. Larry Wayne Morabito, who is world famous from Broadway, who never had those issues that he had today on Broadway when he tried to sing. But he has remained celibate his whole life, but he has spiritual children all over the world. Because everywhere he went in Broadway, Switzerland, as a, as a minister, he went to Afghanistan. Uh, everywhere he went, he had people who now, even today, look to him as their spiritual father. So I want to say this today, man. Come on. Today's the day. Rise up, fathers. Rise up, dads. Rise up, men. We're important in our homes, in our schools, at work, especially here at Trinity Life Center. I want to say thank you to all the men for all that you do, and I want you to keep up the good work. Let's have all of our men stand up right now. Come on. Look at this. These are the guys. Look at them. When other dads are at, at the beach today or at the park or laying on the couch, look at these men right here. You are the world changers. Thank you for being in the house of God today. You may be seated. Now, Daniel, let's talk about Daniel. He is a, an inspirational person to demonstrate fatherhood. 
Why? Because of his incredible integrity. He's extremely wise and merciful. Um, He's not greedy at all. When we study his life, he's very generous. He's consistent in his walk with God. That's what a dad should be, a man of prayer. He prayed three times a day looking out his window towards Jerusalem. The only difficulty this morning we have with this idea is we don't know whether or not he was actually a father. Probably not. Because there was a Persian law that said on the account of the guilt of one, all of his kindred must perish. So that's why the wives and children were thrown into the lion's den. So apparently Daniel was single and celibate. The one thing uh, we, we just don't know is he didn't really ever talk about his own personal life in the book that he wrote. He's very, very modest. But one thing we do know today is that Daniel was exactly where God wanted him to be. Now, last week in chapter 5, what did we see? The fall of Babylon, the greatest earthly kingdom, the king with the, the greatest outreach, world outreach. But last week, the head of gold was crushed, and the time of the Gentiles entered into phase two, the silver chest and arms of the Medes and Persians. But I want you to notice something about this today. Did you notice how little effect the fall of empires actually had on God's people? Daniel, what did he do? He just rode the ebb and the flow of the nations. Nations, ladies and gentlemen, they have always come and gone. Think about it, all the way back, Hittites ruled for a while. Egyptians were in charge, Assyrians, Babylonians, Medes and Persians, Greeks, Romans. Even here in North America, we've had the Mayan civilization, the Incas, the Aztecs. And what's left of those empires? Nothing more than archaeological artifacts left for us to view. Now, Isaiah 40:15 says this, that the nations of the world are nothing more than a drop in the bucket. Look at all those nations. Oh, there goes America. England. Oh, tiny. Oh, that was a tiny little nation, uh, Morocco. Look at that. The nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. They're nothing more than dust on the scales. God picks up the whole earth as if it were a grain of sand. Whether or not any of us ever lived to see the fall of our own nation, I hope that doesn't happen. But even if it did, God's redemptive plan will continue to unfold on schedule. How? Through the influence of you, God's people. Amen. Now, I want you to just, man, I almost fell off my chair. I want you to just grasp some things today. Point number one, 
live your life as if you, you yourself will influence the entire nation. Okay? Now, I love how verse 2 said that the king chose Daniel and two others. I want to show you a picture right now of Kenny Bayless. He's the famous boxing referee who is a deacon here in our church. And just recently, he was up in New York at the, the International Boxing Hall of Fame, and they put him in a parade. And there's Kenny right there. Now, listen to this. If our church, God forbid, had a gas leak and exploded today, tomorrow's headline would read, Kenny Bayless and hundreds of others died yesterday. Oh, they might throw Larry Wayne in there too. Kenny Bayless and Larry Wayne died along with hundreds of other people. Daniel and two others. In Daniel 6, we learn that Daniel distinguished himself as one of the three supervisors for the entire kingdom. He distinguished himself to such an extent that Darius was going to elevate him over the other two government officials, which is what caused them to be jealous and led Daniel to be thrown into the lion's den. So this portion of scripture is the only portion, there's just these several chapters we're looking at in Daniel that were written in Aramaic so it would have the greatest worldwide influence at the time. That was the language spoken mostly. It's kind of like English today. And so some of the words are only found a couple of times. And so it's hard to understand what they mean. What did this mean when it says Daniel distinguished himself? Well, we go back to the Hebrew, and the, the Hebrew word has the very same root as the Aramaic word. So we, we believe it means that he governed efficiently, uh, efficiently and that he was like a victorious military commander. Now, Daniel distinguished himself also by his wisdom and by his efficiency. He was known for solving difficult problems and speaking truthfully, but gracefully in difficult situations. We also see Daniel's consistency in prayer. Now, when he learned that Darius made an edict that no one could ask anything in prayer of a God or a man for 30 days except Darius himself, the Bible says Daniel immediately went home, as was his custom, threw open his upstairs window that faced Jerusalem and began to pray just like he always did. Daniel had this beautiful custom. It was so consistent that the men seeking to have him thrown into the lion's den knew that they could find him there praying. They knew there was no other way to find any fault in him according to his service for the king, but only in setting up a treacherous law that conflicted with his dedication to his God, Yahweh. Fathers today, men I pray God will help all of us to be so faithful in our walk with Jesus that even those who are jealous of us know they will find us at any moment, anytime, anywhere serving the Lord our God. Now, we want to pray that he helps us to be consistent in our walk. 
to have such integrity in our work and dealings in the world that no one will be able to find anything that they can accuse us of violating the Bible, the law, or our ethics. Well, everything in the law except speeding. Okay, let's go with that. Okay, okay, okay. That's why I just, can I make a confession? It's why I don't have Christian bumper stickers on my car. Because I do break that law quite often. But we don't want them to find anything else that we do that's wrong. Point number two, live as if a video is being made of your life. Because it is. There's more cameras out there today than ever before. And God has a big old camera that has filmed you every moment of your life. You are a star on the big screen. God has filmed every moment that's great news and awful news at the same time. Because someday we're all going to give an account for everything we ever said, did, spoke, Oh my goodness, we are all in trouble when we stand before the living God. And if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, we would be freaking out on judgment day. But isn't it marvelous that his blood can cleanse us, his blood can cover us, his blood will make the slate completely clean and when God looks at our lives, he'll see no sin whatsoever. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So Darius, and after further review this week, I'm convinced Darius was a name like Pharaoh or Caesar. And what we're really talking about, the person we're really talking about today is Cyrus. Because these were 120 administrators appointed over the provinces of the entire kingdom, not just the city of Babylon. And history records at least five Persian kings named Darius. These administrators assured that The income from the kingdom would not be misplaced through bribes or corruption. So, then he sets three men out, picked out, to be over the 120 administrators. And Daniel's one of the three. And soon, Daniel rises to prominence. And he's elevated by Darius even over the other two overseers. He he would kind of be serving like a prime minister of a nation, or even maybe a president. Now, a small group from those overseers and administrators became so jealous of Daniel and his position that they began to seek a way to get him removed or killed by charging him with a crime. But he had such tremendous integrity. Just imagine this, folks. He's in his 80s by now. So for over 65 years, They have his history to explore and they didn't even discover that he took a pencil or a paper clip from the office. That's how much integrity this man had. He hadn't bad-mouthed the boss around the water cooler. He hadn't sexually harassed the office, female office assistants. They tried to dig up dirt on him, come on. Any of you that run for office, I hope you do someday. We'll vote for you. But they're going to dig up anything they can on you. And you know what they found when they dug up all of Daniel's stuff? They found zero, nada, zilch, nothing 
to hold against him. Nothing in his 65 years of working in that nation that could get him removed from his new role as the prime minister of Babylon. So what do these guys do? Well, they finally say to each other in verse 5 of our text today, out of the original Aramaic, it says it this way, a pretext will be found in the law of his God. So in other words, they couldn't find anything, so they had to make something up that corresponded with the way he worshiped Yahweh. That's all they could do. So other than being liars and filled with jealousy towards Daniel, another characteristic that you'll find when you, when you study this text in the original language, they were running around from place to place rushing to stir up evil. The word is translated in, in several different ways in English Bibles because it, it combines the ideas together that we don't normally put together. But the word, and you'll find it in verse six today, is that they, uh, and, and it's the best translation is out of the original, they stormed in. So they stormed into the king in verse 6. They stormed in to catch Daniel in verse 11. They, they stormed back to the king in verse 15. Now, in addition to the idea of storming in, the word also means to be part of an evil conspiracy. These evil men are conspiring with each other, and they're in a real hurry to do evil. So Darius gives in to these jealous men. They played on his ego, he writes a formal prohibition that no one could make a prayer request from God or man for 30 days except from him, the king. If anybody violates this prohibition, they'll be thrown into a den of lions. Think about this. That's nothing for these evil polytheistic idolaters that flatter Darius, convince him that for 30 days he should be seen as the only representative of all the gods and all the idols in the world. I mean, for them, it was no big deal. But for that faithful Jewish man, Daniel, who knew there was only one true God, this was an unthinkable action. There's no way he's going to do this. But once Darius wrote the prohibition down, it could not be changed. The law of the Medes and Persians. If it was written as a law, you can never change it. So, again, what happens? Daniel hears this decree. Hmm. immediately goes home and violates the law. Not with an attitude. He just simply continues to do what he always did. He goes home, throws open his windows, facing Jerusalem, and he begins to pray. Now think this through. He knew these jealous men were coming for him, but he didn't hide. He didn't change his posture so nobody could tell. These jealous men storm in to find Daniel praying and then they storm back into the king and have him throw Daniel into the lion's den. Point number three of my message today, ask for help in areas of your life that are out of control. See, these evil men were out of control. They show us how jealousy can deeply infect you. 
It's like a virus. It grows unseen until it breaks out in a full-scale sickness that causes suffering and heartbreak. And as we examine ourselves and as the Holy Spirit absolutely reveals to us the things that are in our hearts, you know what's going to happen, don't you? (laughs) We're going to find a bunch of ugliness inside of there, stuff that needs healing. And we need today to make up our minds that we are entirely ready to give up those sins and all of the unhealthy, unproductive thoughts, behaviors, and feelings in our lives. These are known as character defects. It was back in 1904 and 1905 that a worldwide revival began in Wales over in England. That's the revival that sparked the movement at Azusa Street where our church came out of. The Pentecostal movement happened 1906 here in America. The leading evangelist of the Welsh revival was a young man named Evan Roberts. Evan Roberts always had four points that he wanted to get across. And I'm gonna get this out of a book today entitled The Light of the Nations, written by J.E. Orr in 1965. And here are those four things. The past must be made clear by confession of every known sin to God and every wrong done to man must be put right. Number two, every doubtful thing in the believer's life must be put away. Number three, prompt and implicit obedience must be yielded to the Spirit of God. And number four, public confession of Jesus Christ must be made. So people and families and churches and governments, what do they do? Well, a lot of times they hold on to the self-sabotaging, sinful behaviors that they're involved in because, well, that's the way our family's always done it. That's the way our church has always done it. That's the way our government's always done it because it's familiar. But we have to ask ourselves the important question today about any negative behavior in our lives, okay? I want you to think right now about your own life and any negative behavior. Ask yourself this question today, how is this working for me? How is this working for me? And if you're here today and you're struggling with an addiction, that's not working. The gambler's always trying to win back the money he lost, so he ends up losing even more. Listen, I want you to know something. Jesus loves us so much that he sent his Holy Spirit to help us. So as soon as you become entirely ready to obey the Holy Spirit and put away unproductive, sinful, self-sabotaging behavior, thought, and feeling, the Holy Spirit will be right there to help you. Now, in our culture, somehow our feelings have become unquestionable. People say, well, that's how I feel. As if to declare nothing can be done about our feelings. And certainly, you can't question them about it anymore. But friends, the feelings of anger and rage and jealousy and pride, we have to change all that or we're gonna, it's going to lead us to acting out in horrible, tragic Behavior. I mean, it's, it's, it's not going to help us at all. And you know how it goes if you've battled addiction. Those negative emotions 
cause us to start jonesing. <laughs> we start to crave our, our, our addiction. And there's a way to interrupt the cycle. Change your feelings. Find healing for your jealousy. Find healing from Jesus today from, for your pride, for your anger, for your guilt. Change your feelings by thinking about the truth. In other words, what the scripture says, renew your minds through the word of the living God and the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now I want to encourage you to stop allowing your shame to cause you to hide. Because so many times when you're in that situation, you want to hide and you want to try to overcome all by yourself. It was never meant to be that way. Recovery takes a village. It takes a, a process. It, it takes so much. But Christianity was never meant to be lived alone either. Friends, we need one another. Get involved with us. Live life together with us. Get into a 242 group. Get into a, some kind of small group. Get into a, if you're battling addiction, go to a, a, just a regular recovery group. Don't, don't let it upset you when they say higher power. You know who the higher power is. It's Jesus. And what better place to witness but to people battling the same thing you're battling, and yet you know who the higher power is, and you can introduce them to him. It's beautiful. Friends, there's help out there. Do not remain a prisoner to your addiction. People are so desperate these days. They just, you hear it all the time. I can't get... I, I'm, I'm hopeless. I'm, I can't get over this problem. I can't get over this addiction. I'm in an unchangeable situation. But the truth of God's word says, even this morning from the lips of an idolatrous king, Darius says in verse 27, and he doesn't know it, but he's talking about Jesus. He says these words, Verse 27, he rescues and he delivers. He makes signs and wonders in the heaven and on earth because he rescued Daniel from the mouth of the lions. So be completely and entirely ready to rid yourself of self-destructive behaviors and be ready to give immediate obedience to the Spirit of God. Just like Evan Roberts preached in the 1904-1905 Welsh Revival. Point number four, and finally today, use your influence for the kingdom of God. Use your influence for the kingdom. These jealous men storm into the king after finding Daniel praying, and the king realizes he's been duped by these evil men for their own agenda. Verse 14 says, the king was greatly displeased about the pretext over Daniel, and he set his heart to rescue him until the going down of the sun. That's a very interesting point in this story that we often overlook. The king tries desperately to save Daniel, but he, he can't overcome 
the way the, the law is written and the fact that it's established, it's a law of the Medes and the Persians, you can't do anything about it once it's written. Now, in contrast to that is the living God who comes along and rescues Daniel from these savage, hungry lions. How did he do it? He sent an angel to shut the lion's mouth. The king tries in every way he can to save Daniel, but he can't save him. He can't save him. When we look to men and women to save us, regardless of how powerful, wealthy, or famous they are, friends, that's still a losing streak. You're going to walk away disappointed, frustrated. The only one who can rescue us is Jesus Christ. He's the only one who can rescue you from your sin today. He's the only one that can rescue you because he shed his blood on the cross so that we could be forgiven of our sins. Now, as a storyteller in verse 17, I would have elaborated more about the lions in the den and what was happening in that den that night. But I guess it was a quiet evening in there. So apparently, and Daniel, of course, being as humble as he is, he, he goes immediately from verse 17 into verse 18 to talk about the king. So you don't know much about what happened that night inside the lion's den. But we know that the, the king, he, he, he had a rough night. Um, I would have talked about how big the teeth were in the lion's mouth, wouldn't you? If you were writing this story and you had lived through this, man, I'd have, I'd have just, I probably would have evangelistically shared that the teeth, which were probably that big, you know, it's just, I want people to know what I had to go through that night, you know? I'd be telling everybody how ferocious those lions were, how loud they roared, how many of them there were. Do you know how many lions were in the lion's den? No, you don't. Because Daniel never tells us. All he says is that the king was in discomfort. He fasted. He didn't have any musical entertainment during the night that, that he had every night. And the Bible says that sleep fled from him. But at the first break of dawn, the king hurried. He was concerned, okay? The jealous men stormed in. That's not what the king's doing. He, but he is hurrying to the lion's den. In verse 21, in the original Aramaic, it says that the den is no longer referred to as the den of lions, but now it's known as the den of Daniel. Don't you love that? Don't you love that? What's the biggest thing you've ever had to face? What's the most difficult trial you've ever had to overcome? Boy, in the kingdom of God now, they'll name that trial after you. God has so entirely rescued Daniel that he made the lions his pets and he turned the den of death into the den of Daniel. Now, all we know about this great deliverance, Yahweh sent an angel to rescue Daniel, and he shut the mouth of the lions. Remember, Daniel's in his 80s. 
He's bold. He's confident. Because this has turned into his den. An angel was sent to watch over him. He was not alone. He's completely uninjured. This lion's den has become Daniel's man cave. How cool is that? Hey, you want to come to my man cave? I got about 25 huge hungry lions roaming around in there, but no worries. I've even slept in there and never been injured. What a testimony. Jesus Christ can and will turn oppressive, toxic, hostile, deadly environments into safe, welcoming and healthy living environments for the Christian. Friends, you can change every environment you work in, you live in, you walk in, you breathe in. We can walk boldly into any environment and circumstance we've been thrown into, knowing that Jesus Christ can miraculously change the environment for us. When they throw the jealous men and their families in the den, unfortunately it returned to being a den of death and they were killed before they even hit the ground. But for Daniel, it was a place of Yahweh's sovereignty and complete control. You know the main point in this message? God rescues Daniel, but it proves to be this, to this heathen, idolatrous king that God is able to perform miracles and wonders in heaven and on earth. God rescued Daniel and he proved that his kingdom will not suffer injury. In verse 26, the New Living says, his kingdom will never be destroyed. But like I said, the word that from the original Aramaic that is better is the word injury. Because just as Daniel was prevented from any injury from the lions, so the kingdom of Jesus Christ cannot and will not suffer injury forever and ever. God's gonna exhibit his sovereignty, his control over all of his kingdom. Please notice, in the millennial reign of Christ, what's going to happen? The exact same thing that just happened in the lion's den. In the millennium, Isaiah tells us that predatory animals like wolves and lions and snakes, what are they going to do? They're going to cuddle with our little children. And there will be no harm that comes to any of our kids. Daniel's rescue proves to Darius that the kingdom of God already exists and is more powerful than any earthly kingdom like his own. Darius was able to see clearly that none of his idols have any kingdom significance whatsoever. They don't see, they don't hear, they know nothing because they are nothing. The only thing behind a, a, a false god is sometimes a demon and makes people think they're real. But they're not, they're nothing. There's only one God. There's only one living God. There's only one true God. His name is Jesus Christ. And we serve him with all of our hearts. He sends us the message today. Friends, don't get all bent out of shape. 
about what's happening in the nations. Just keep your eyes peeled on the eternal kingdom of God, which will never suffer injury. His kingdom will be victorious. We'll share in the triumph of Jesus as members of his kingdom. And know this, his kingdom is present here and now, not in all of its fullness, not in all of its power, not in all of its glory yet, but the kingdom of God is present here and now, and that's the kingdom that you and I live in. More than being citizens of the United States, we are citizens of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Therefore, let Christ rule in your heart. Be entirely ready to give up the things that are self-destructive, the things holding you back, holding you down. Be entirely ready to become immediately obedient to the Holy Spirit. Then no matter what situation you find yourself in, Jesus will show up. He'll rescue you. He'll give you his sovereignty and his control over the environment that's around us. So my Christian friends today, let's look at the example of Daniel. He was ethical. He was consistent. He was dedicated. He was faithful. He was a man of prayer. He was ready to eliminate all negative thoughts, all negative behaviors, all negative feelings out of his life. And he learned how to trust in Yahweh and obey him and his word immediately. Let's all learn to be more like Jesus by following the example of Daniel. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes right now. If you're listening today and you've never trusted Jesus as your savior, if you've never entered into his kingdom, today would be a wonderful day. It'd be the greatest way to celebrate Father's Day. Our country right now is filled with rage, violence, tragedy. The kingdom of Jesus Christ is filled with peace joy and victory come to Jesus today become part of his kingdom experience his ability to rescue you out of every lion's den that you will ever face oh father thank you for this marvelous story in the bible it's so significant, it's so powerful. The people that war against you, they laugh, they say, there's no way that really happened. It did happen. It did happen. Because this book, from cover to cover, over thousands of years, has been proven to be true and every other man is a liar this book is true this book is real this book is alive Daniel was thrown into a lion's den but he was spared his life was spared because he trusted in the living God Lord today We want to put our full trust in you. 
Thank you for our children today, Lord, who blessed us. We want to be like little kids ourselves. Lord, we want to come humbly right now before you. And we want to ask you, Lord, to cover us with your precious blood. Forgive us of all of our sins. Make us new. Make us the kind of people that that get a fresh start. We get to start all over in Jesus. Doesn't mean that, you know, if, if you're battling alcohol and you come to Jesus, you're a Christian alcoholic. Maybe he'll deliver you instantly. I've seen it happen many times. But you know who really gains strength is the guy that ends up working hard to overcome that addiction. Friends, whatever it is we're facing, we're going to be stronger as we face it together. Stop trying to overcome by yourself. Confess your fault one to another. Pray for one another. And we'll see the healing begin in such marvelous ways. Hallelujah. Anybody here want to give your life to Jesus? Would you just raise your hand real high? Let me see it. Anybody want Jesus today? Amen. God bless you, sister. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Amen. Praise God. Isn't God wonderful? Isn't he great? Lord, thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you for forgiving us all our sins. Thank you for writing our names in your book of life. Thank you that when we stand before you, we don't have to pay for our sins because you paid it all. You paid the full price and we're forgiven. Hallelujah. And we'll stand before you clean. That's so incredible. We're going to stand clean before our Lord, cleansed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't try this on your own, friends. Don't try to merit heaven by your good works. The only good works we do are to just say, thank you, Jesus, for all you've done for me. Now I just want to give my life back to you. And I want to serve you with all of my heart. Anybody here today that would just be honest with me and say, Pastor Randy, I'm just, man, I'm just struggling. I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I've got so many things, negative things that I need to overcome. Would you raise your hand real high? Let me see it. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you see our hands that are raised right now? We're asking for help. We want to be overcomers by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony, that we love not our lives, even unto death. Make us overcomers who will receive that white stone with a name written on it that nobody else has but us. Maybe you for real, uh, for absolutely, you, you've named a star or a constellation or a galaxy after us, after that one name that's uniquely our name. But 
Lord, that's going to be given to people who overcome. And that's who we want to be. We want to be overcomers by the blood of Jesus Christ. Teach us how. Teach us how. Stand with me, everyone, if you would. Before we go, just a couple more moments. I just want to sing in the spirit today. I just want to sing in a heavenly language, in a language that, I mean, I think my English is just so inadequate to express praise and worship to the living God. Would you just join me in singing in the spirit? to pour out his spirit he's gonna pour out his spirit new and fresh we're gonna walk in deliverance we're gonna walk in love we're gonna walk in power we're gonna walk in authority we're gonna live for Jesus people are gonna see the difference we're gonna change the entire atmosphere at work yes that toxic environment will be overtaken by the kingdom of God. And people will begin to see healing and miracles and work. Oh, yes. In the neighborhood. Yes, Lord. At school. Oh, God. Every place our feet step. Give it to us. In the name of Jesus. Raise up dads in schools. Oh, God. days of being thermometers are over. No longer are we going to walk into a room and just rise to whatever temperature's in the room. We are thermostats. We set the environment in the room. We are the people of God. We are the Daniels 
of our generation. We are the ones that God is going to use our influence to change your world, the world you live in, the people you rub shoulders with. They're going to see the power of God, the kingdom of God ruling in our lives. Let's give God great praise and thanks for all that he's about to do through each and every one of us. God bless you, friends. I love you. Use your influence for the kingdom of righteousness. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Amen. Amen. Things are